0: Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for june eighteenth, twenty seventeen. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co pastor with Amy Jacksteen at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled Navigating the Gray.
1: What can I believe? And still be a Christian? It's a great question. It's the wrong question, but it's a great question. What can I believe and still be a Christian? It's a great question. I'm grateful to be in the kind of church that allows folks to ask that question. I talked to the person who asked it last week, one of our young adults, and she said the focus of her question was really not about what is the most someone can believe and be a Christian or what all you have to believe and be a Christian. Her focus was more like, so what's the least I have to believe and still call myself a Christian? Now, I love the honesty of that question, the kind of candor with your pastor to ask that kind of question. The comfort, just to put it out there, what's the least I can, you know, get by with? I'm glad she didn't ask, what's the least I can give and still be a member of the church? (coughs) It's a great question because there is a lot to believe, a lot of what, or, or a lot that we are offered to believe. It's in the southern air we breathe. As Amy has told you this morning, she and I spent Thursday night with our guests from the Salvation Army's Center of Hope for Homeless Women. We slept in the youth building, slept in the youth building, tossing and turning on those sofas while our guests made an absolutely nonstop, all-night-long barrage of trips to the bathroom. I think they had their alarms set, so as soon as one left, the other one came, all-night-long. Well, just as well. Lying there gave me a chance to think about these women who had asked for a devotional time before bedtime. I guess if you're a pastor, you're expected always to have a sermon ready. I pulled something out from my long bygone days of youth group devotionals. Amy and I sang a song for them, and they started talking. It was fascinating. We heard them talking about speaking in tongues, and about miracles that they had seen on the streets, and about the providence of God. They talked, and and then there was kind of a chorus of Scripture that they quoted, and it was amen, and yes, and and, and just around the room, um, it was a fascinating evening together. The wisdom that was shared was wisdom from the best teacher, a life of hard knocks. Their wisdom was heartfelt and it was passionately held, and all of it begged the question, what do you believe? Do you believe enough to be saved? Do you believe enough to get to heaven? Do you believe enough to be a Christian? Do you believe? We live in the age of belief, says Harvey Cox, Hollis Professor of Divinity Emeritus at Harvard University. His book, The Future of Faith, now almost 10 years old, is worth your time. The church was born, as Cox chronicles it, in the age of faith. After Jesus' death, the Christian church was born, and it teetered and tottered across the Mediterranean world in a stew of beliefs. For 300 years, the church grew in this age of faith, slowly pulling away from the synagogue that was its home, finding the center, not in the Torah, but in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But the church, in those first 300 years, was not centered in a consistent belief. As Professor Bart Ehrman of the University of North Carolina writes it, there are lots of early Christianities. Then came Constantine, the powerful Roman emperor who for religious or political reasons, or maybe some unfortunate melding of the two, settled things once and for all. A dream led to his conversion and to the subsequent Christianizing of the empire that had killed Jesus three centuries before. And then Constantine called together the bishops of his diverse empire and he put them in a room and basically said to them, do not come out until you can tell us what Christians believe. Now that's not exactly the way it happened, but that's kind of, you know. The doctrines that now define Christian orthodoxy were ratified through several expansive councils conducted across the fourth century. According to Harvey Cox, we have been living in their light or in their shadow, depending on your vantage. We've been living in the age of belief for 1,700 years. What it means to be Christian in an age of belief is to affirm the historic creed. and just shared with you in the prayer. It's to believe in the creed and the confessions of the faith as they were worked out in those councils so long ago. The nature of God in a Trinitarian formula, the divinity of Jesus, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, the role of the church in God's plan of salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the communion of the saints. I heard them in the Apostles' Creed, but I also heard them in the beautiful opening hymn that we sang. Hymns are so filled with our theology, orthodox theology. What can I believe and still be a Christian is a particularly age of belief question. It may not be the question people are asking in the future, but it's still the question so many people are asking today. Harvey Cox says this is changing. He and other social and religious commentators note the obvious upheavals in cultures around the world and the church along with it. Cox says these reverberations are expected. We are moving into a new age, the age of the Spirit. You and I will not live long enough to see the church firmly set in this new age. History moves in centuries, not years or even decades. But Cox says the signs are in place for that change. His book identifies Marx across denominational lines from his encounters with Christians literally around the globe, which indicate that a Christianity centered in a sure intellectual belief, what happens between your ears, that kind of Christianity is giving way to a Christianity less centered in the head and more centered in the heart, a Christianity less about what we believe and more about what we do. A Christianity less dependent on the certainty of doctrinal affirmations and more confident in God, more attuned to the ever-moving work of the Spirit. The growth of those who claim to be spiritual but not religious is a product of this movement, Cox says. He is less critical of those folk than I am, And he identifies at least three reasons why the term is in such wide use today. First, he says, spirituality is still a form of tacit protest. I love that. And you'll have to think about that a while. Spirituality is protest. Secondly, it represents, spirituality represents an attempt to give voice to the experience of awe and wonder. And finally, Cox says, spirituality, unlike many religious expressions, recognizes the increasingly porous borders between the different traditions. And he says, spirituality, like the early Christian movement, the age of faith, spirituality looks more to the future than to the past. The age of belief necessarily looks to the past what do we believe, what did they say, what do I have to understand? We're looking to the past where spirit looks to the future. I hope Harvey Cox is right, that we are moving away from belief as a center and into a life of spirit. He is often asked about the power of fundamentalism in our world today, however, Christian fundamentalism which is still such a powerful influence in the American political landscape. Again, a powerful movement in the recent political election. And the fundamentalism that we see in other religions, most notably extremist Islam. Fundamentalism seems to be on the rise. How do you explain that? And if so, isn't that a critique of Cox's thesis, a suggestion that the age of belief is actually stronger than ever? Well, Cox responds to that critique this way. Many observers mistakenly confuse the resurgence of religion with fundamentalism, but the two are not the same. Fundamentalism is dying. Fundamentalisms, with their insistence on obligatory belief systems, their nostalgia for a mythical, uncorrupted past, their claims to an exclusive grasp on truth and sometimes their propensity for violence are turning, to, are, are turning out to be rear-guard attempts to stem a more sweeping tidal change. The fundamentalism we see, he says, is people grasping at the past because they know it is gone. Let's hang on. Because we don't like the new tide or we're afraid of what the new tide might be, but he says the tide has turned. For Christians who are not fundamentalists, Christians who are trying to face the future, not hold on to the past, Christians who are trying to be attuned to the always changing Spirit of God, this can be a difficult day. And it's not just religion that is centered in belief. Today's loud calls to question the media, to doubt the truthfulness of a free press, the ubiquity of internet opinions which are being used left and right to bolster any facts you choose, facts you choose, the presence of alternative facts as a feature of our political life, all of these lead us in the wrong direction, but they're all centered in belief. We are never asked to verify a fact by testing its source, by living with it, by challenging it. We're just invited to believe what we hear about the cause of the deadly uh, skyscraper fire in London, about the investigation into Rus- Russian meddling in the U.S. election, about Hillary's emails, about Donald's taxes. Just believe. And that's the problem with religion and politics today. It's not that belief in itself is a bad thing. The problem is that we have divorced belief from relationship. I can pick up any facts I choose from any internet source I like without ever knowing who forwarded the scoop to me, much less knowing who originally authored it and what sources they cited if any at all, just believe it. Just pass it on. Beliefs become weaponized trinkets, and partisans in religion and politics use beliefs to manipulate and bludgeon. They are no longer expressions of lived truth. Believing in this way may be an entirely new entirely modern phenomenon. As the comparative religion scholar Wilfred Kentwell Smith pointed out, when the King James Bible was printed in 1611, to believe meant something like to hold dear. Smith, who died in 2000, once wrote the affirmation, I believe in God, used to mean, given the reality of God as a fact in our universe, I hereby pledge to God my heart and soul. I committedly opt to live in loyalty to God. I offer my life to be judged by God, trusting God's mercy. Today, the statement may be taken as meaning, given the uncertainty as to whether God exists or not, I announce that my opinion is yes. You hear the difference. There is a sense of heartfelt commitment, of loyalty, of trust, of interaction with belief in that old definition that necessitates an active engagement with it where we too often divorce living from believing, testing from believing, trusting from believing. It's like the tightrope walker who impressed the crowds every day out doing amazing feats, and he had walked across this tightrope one day, and the crowd shouted, and he said, do you believe I can push a wheelbarrow across this rope? And they said, yes, we believe. So he pushed the wheelbarrow across the rope, and he came back, and he said, do you believe I can carry someone in this wheelbarrow across the tightrope? And they all said, yes, we believe. And he said, someone get in the wheelbarrow. Two different understandings of what it means to believe. What do you believe? How do you believe? It is as if just believing something inside the confines of your cranial cavity is enough. And it is not. What can I believe and still be a Christian? Well, I know Christians who believe all sorts of things. And some who believe almost nothing. Some people wouldn't believe it if I told them. You know what I mean? So let me say it plainly to you today being Christian is not about what you believe, it is about who you are and how you live. It is about orienting one's life around the love of God that we see expressed in the way of Jesus. Period. As you have received Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. It's not about believing. It is about living. May it be so. Amen.
0: We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.